0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to the service of worship. If you are worshiping with us for what is one of the first times this morning, we want to say a special word of welcome to you. We are delighted that you are here and look forward to getting to know you uh, more following worship. We do invite all of you after worship to head through the doors to your left and into the atrium where we might enjoy some fellowship and some coffee, perhaps an extra cup today as we sprung our clocks forward this morning. Um, And so look forward to spending that time together. I do invite all of you to find those blue friendship pads that are located on your pews. And if you would, to take them and sign them and pass them down the row. That's a way not only that you register your presence with us this morning, but also an opportunity um, if needed to learn the names of those who are on your pew so that you might greet one another by name following our service this morning. So if you would sign the friendship pad, pass it down the row, and when it gets to the end of your row, pass it back so you can note the names of those who are on your pew. You'll also find in your pew racks, our connect cards and prayer cards. Our connect cards are an opportunity to go deeper in life and ministry. If there's a way that you would like to get connected, that's an opportunity to let our staff know. And so invite you to fill that out and place it in the offering plate at the appropriate time. We also invite you to fill out the prayer cards if you have a joy or a concern in your life that you would like to make the pastoral staff aware of. It is our privilege to pray with you and for you and to walk with you on your journey of faith. And so invite you to fill that out and again to place it in the offering plate at the appropriate time in our worship. You will find on the back page of your worship bulletin um, many things that are happening during this Lenten season in the life and ministry of our church and invite you to take that home and to read it carefully and find ways to, um, to plug in and to get involved, particularly in the holy season of Lent. Just a couple of things to highlight for you this morning. We are aware that you are aware um, of the heightened anxiety and awareness around the coronavirus. If you are on our email list, um, you received a word from Matthew this week about the ways that we are endeavoring to care for one another, not only in spirit, but also in body as a community of faith. And so are making adjustments to our communion practices in this season and also ask that in addition to washing your hands and using the Purell, which is all over the building, um, that you might greet one another perhaps um, instead of a handshake with, um, with a friendly elbow bump or with a warm smile. This is a community um, of great warmth and welcome. And so we will continue um, to be that community of faith just in, um, in different ways. So thank you for caring um, for one another that we might be um, the warm and welcoming community that we are. You will note with the stage extenders um, that today is uh, Masterworks 2020. And so um, tonight is a wonderful opportunity to gather for community and to worship God through the gifts of music. Um, featuring, among other things, the world premiere of a newly commissioned oratorio um, from Gary Fry, How Can I Keep From Singing? There will be um, just incredible opportunities to hear God's gift of music this night, so I invite you to read more about that and to plan to join us here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. for that concert. This morning is our Epiphany Ministry Sunday in which we are remembering and giving thanks to God for the ministry of Epiphany which here at PHPC which provides enrichment based programs for adults with special needs here in our congregation we are grateful for their participation in worship this morning um, and also you will note that they have written some of the bulletin liturgy and so just grateful for their witness for your presence in worship and for all you do in the life of our community in fact if you are a volunteer with our Epiphany minister would you stand this morning that we might recognize and thank you for all you do <laughs> Friends, thank you and a special thanks to Nathan and Eric and to Jay who will, um, who will lead our liturgy this morning. Friends, this is the day that the Lord is still making. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God this day. Amen.
1: Please join with me in our call to worship. God calls us to give generously to others as God has given to us. May our service be unto God. God calls us to give God glory in the compassion we show to one another. May our service be unto God. God calls us by name to come, and we respond with delight and gladness. Our service be unto God. Let us worship God.
2: Hello, everybody, once again. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin before God and one another. God, we have sinned and failed to follow your rules. Forgive us and help us to get rid of our bad habits. Help us to see better days ahead of us. Show us how to listen with a more open heart and let us find hope and joy in your commandments. Lead us and give us the strength to encourage to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith in jesus christ we are forgiven thanks be to god amen
3: Seated. As we prepare to hear God's word, let us unite our hearts and minds together in prayer. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, break into the wilderness of our lives, the uncertainty, the confusion, and the distractions from your word. Give us a moment of clarity, of grace, and of understanding that we may find encouragement in your word and be molded in Christ's image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: Sorry, Bert, that was my fault. Every once in a while, I do that. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? We uh, were at the youth musical Frozen Junior on Friday night, and uh, I was overwhelmed with how many people, when I said, how's the week been, they just sort of gave the sigh. You know, uh, folks who um, have been retired for a number of years now and who are reliant on the market for their livelihood, oh, it's been a week. Uh, there's a guy here at the church, he's in medical sales. He said this has been one of the craziest weeks of his entire life, trying to figure out what uh, equipment goes where. Oh. There were uh, some finance folks, and they said this week has been crazier than even some of the weeks they had in 2008. It's just been Intense. We had teachers in our community say, I don't know, but we're just anxious. We don't know what to do. We don't know uh, if it's going to come and if it's going to come to our classroom. It's just been, oh, oh, it's been one of those weeks. And even with it being one of those weeks, I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here today. Because uh, we are reminded of the frailty of our lives. We're reminded of the frailty of our world and we have gathered this day I pray to remember that we are held in God's eternal arms each and every day of our lives and I pray through worship this morning that you will come to know that promise renewed for you this day I pray that uh, today you will feel the presence and the peace of Christ as we all walk these uh, days into the unknown together if you're uh, just joining us this morning for one of the first times, you need to know that we're in the season of Lent, and in the church, that's the church's way of saying we are in the 40 days and 40 nights leading up to Easter. As a community, this Lenten season, we are uh, exploring Jesus' final week on earth, what we call in the church uh, Holy Week. Each Sunday, we will focus on a day of Holy Week. Last week, uh, we focused on Monday. So this week, we will focus on Tuesday, and just to remind us all, uh, we are using the Gospel of Mark as our primary lens uh, throughout this Lenten season. We should remember that the Gospel of Mark uh, was written 64 years after Jesus' birth, or uh, another way to put that is 30 years after Jesus' death. We, uh, every scholar, every modern scholar agrees, and just to be clear, they never agree on anything, but they agree on this— that the Gospel of Mark was the first uh, manuscript that we had, and that the Gospel writers of Matthew, Luke, and John had that manuscript when they wrote their Gospels. They uh, based their Gospels on that manuscript. We uh, should remember that nearly 40% of the entire Gospel of Mark, if it were me, I would just say 40%, but for some of you, it will drive you nuts, 37.5% of the Gospel of Mark has to deal with Holy Week. There are only 16 chapters in the entire book. Chapters 11 through 16 all have to do with Holy Week. But check this out. Tuesday, we know more about Tuesday. More is written about Tuesday of Holy Week than any other day of Holy Week. Two entire chapters are dedicated to Tuesday. 115 verses of the Gospel of Mark are about Tuesday. And you may be thinking, 115 verses, who cares? Okay, to put it in perspective, Thursday, 60 verses. Friday, the day that they kill him, 45 verses. A lot happens on Tuesday. A lot happens on Tuesday. Two-thirds of what is written about Uh, Tuesday, two-thirds of what is written about Tuesday, has to deal with Jesus being in conflict with the temple authorities. They're arguing back and forth. The other third has to deal with Jesus saying that he's going to be the son of man and also telling them that the temple will be destroyed. 115 verses on Tuesday alone. Two thirds of those verses are Jesus in conflict with the temple authorities. We have to remember this was uh, the Passover festival. 250,000 people have come into Jerusalem. They're in the temple, it is packed, the temple is huge. And Jesus spends almost all of his Tuesday arguing. When I read Tuesday, I have this image in my brain. The church I served uh, in Atlanta before I came here, every January, I would lead a trip uh, from our church to Cuba. We had a 25-year mission partnership in Cuba. I will never forget, uh, the first time I went to Cuba, uh, there is a square right uh, just beside the Capitol building right there in Havana. And I will never forget walking through that square and there are about a hundred people or so, predominantly men, and they are yelling at one another. I mean, screaming at one another uh, to the point where I thought a fight was going to break out. And so I went to our guide and I said, why are they yelling at one another? And she said, oh, they're they're debating, and I said, "Are they debating politics?" And she said, "Oh no, 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 something much more important than that." I said, "Oh, are they debating uh, the food uh, shortage in Cuba?" And she said, "Oh no, 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 something much more important than that." And I said, "Are they uh, debating religion?" And she said, "Oh my gosh, no, they are debating something so important, maybe the most important thing to every Cuban." And I said, "What is that?" And she said, "Oh, they're debating baseball." I said, they're yelling at one another about baseball. Why? She said, they're arguing about who the best player is right now. And I said, they're arguing about who the best baseball player is right now? She said, yes. And then the other ones are arguing about whether or not the best baseball player right now even pales in comparison to the greatest baseball player in Cuba. And I said to her, have any of them ever played baseball themselves? And she said, no, probably not. And I said, but they're yelling at one another to the verge of screaming? And she said, yeah. I said, they feel so passionately about something that they've never played. And she said, yeah. I think that's uh, the temple in Jerusalem. There are religious leaders arguing to the point of screaming at one another over something I'm not sure they actually ever played. let me say it a different way. I think the religious leaders are in a theological debate intended to stay in their head so that that debate never got into their lives, so they didn't live that faith out. And Jesus gets caught in the middle of it on Tuesday. But in order to understand Tuesday, we have to go back to Monday because Jesus does something on his way to the temple on Monday that helps us interpret what happens on Tuesday. It's the reason that there's a fig tree right here and you've been wondering the whole time. And some of you are like, how did I miss that? That's been there the whole time. It's been here the whole time. I want us to turn to the 11th chapter of the gospel of Mark. And these three passages, there are three sections of scripture that I'm going to read, I believe interpret themselves. The reformers say uh, scripture has to interpret scripture. Marcus Borg the New Testament scholar, says that there's a pattern in the Gospel of Mark of three sections always being paired together so that they can interpret themselves. Listen to what happens. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Monday morning. Monday morning, Jesus is hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of Those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priest and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. That ends Monday. We preached on that text last week. It's online. You can catch up there. Now, this is what happens first thing Tuesday morning. In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. So I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So was Jesus just cranky? I mean, did he have to set his clock forward an hour that day, lose a night, an hour of sleep, and walk by a a fig tree and just curse it? Was Jesus uh, just wanting to be, uh, did he just want to be smiteful? Did he just want to say, you know what, fig tree, if you're not for me, you're against me, I hope you die? That's certainly one way to read this text. We could read this text uh, literally and think, you know, Jesus has got something against fig trees. Or we could think, you know what, Jesus may be really angry. Or maybe Jesus was just having a bad day. That's certainly one way that we could read this text. But I got to tell you, uh, that way of reading this passage is not all that interesting to me. It's not that interesting to me because I think uh, the fig tree represents the broader theme of what Jesus is experiencing on Tuesday. The fig tree represents something far greater, and let me tell you why. I know a thing or two about fig trees, and I've learned everything I know about fig trees from my grandparents, from my nana and my papa. Nana and Papa have a fig tree in their side yard. And this is what I know about fig trees fig trees have some of the deepest root systems of any tree's out there. Uh, they, they're they not like your pine tree that keep uh, roots on the surface and blow over in the wind. No, fig trees have root systems that seek out uh, aquifers underground to tap into water deep below the earth's surface. So I can't believe that when Peter's walking by the next day on Tuesday, he looks at the fig tree and he goes, oh Jesus, look, it's withered. Even the roots are withered all the way in the ground. Peter can't see that. This is what else I know about fig trees. Fig trees, um, they can be full of leaves. They can look really strong and really, really, really healthy. And yet, they cannot produce fruit. You see, uh, there is a fig wasp that has to pollinate the fig tree every single year. And if the fig wasp doesn't show up around the fig tree and do their job, guess what? You will go an entire season without bearing any fruit. This is what I know about the fig tree. A fig tree can look extremely healthy just standing from the outside looking in, but it cannot produce any fruit at all. This is what else I know about fig trees. It takes forever for a fig to ripen on the tree. It takes forever. And when a fig finally does ripen on the tree... Anybody ever had a fresh fig? How long, how long before that fig begins to rot? Yeah, 10 minutes is what I say. I agree. You've got about 10 minutes before to eat that fig before it begins to spoil. It's why none of us this morning can uh, get in our car, drive to Whole Foods right down the street, and go to uh, somebody at Whole Foods and say, will you point me in the direction of your fresh figs? They'll look at you and they'll say, fresh figs? We can show you the dried figs. That's not the same thing as a fresh fig. If you've ever had a fresh fig, you know they are among the sweetest fruit that you can ever have, and you have about 10 minutes before they spoil. That is why my Nana, every single year, gets those fresh figs and lets them ripen right to the point of them spoiling, and then she performs a miracle with them. She transforms those fresh, really ripe and sweet figs into the most delicious fig preserves you have ever had in your life. And when I say they're the most uh, delicious fig preserves you've ever had in your life, I mean they're the best on the whole planet. You see, there's a chance that my Nana is watching us this morning via live stream, And I just wanna say, Nana, they're the best fig preserves on the planet. And I know this is why I'm your favorite grandson. (laughs) This is what I know about fig trees. Fig trees. Fig trees are made to produce this really sweet fruit, but unless everything is just right, they can merely look healthy on the outside, but actually produce no fruit. Oh, I think it's intentional that Jesus on the way to the temple curses a fig tree. I think Jesus is saying the temple is a fig tree. It looks really strong. The temple looks like it has all of its stuff together, but that temple is not producing any fruit. There's a difference between being healthy and appearing strong and producing fruit. I think Jesus curses a fig tree because he says what happens to this tree is what's going to happen to that temple. And this is why I believe that. For, for two-thirds of 115 verses on Tuesday, Jesus Is in conflict with the temple authorities over questions that really don't matter much. Questions that are intended to keep us in our head and to keep us at arm's length from our faith. Questions like this, Uh, Jesus, if your brother's wife dies, who's responsible for taking care of her? Let me be really clear here, friends. If we are a person of faith, and we need help answering that question. Our faith may appear to be really strong, but may not produce any fruit. I mean, we take care of our own. It's what we do. We care for our husband's wife, no matter what. That's what happens. They ask him questions like this. "Uh, Jesus, uh, who do we pay taxes to? Do we pay uh, Caesar's faces on the coin? Do we pay taxes to Caesar? Do we pay taxes to God? Is that really a question? Jesus is saying, listen. Is that really the most important question that you can think of to debate me on? Pay your taxes, but know that you're not owned by your money. Another way we may ask it today is, Matthew, uh, Lord, do we hey, do we give pre- or (laughs) post-tax? Do I give after the taxes are taken out or do I give before? What what is my estimate for asking that question? We're we're missing the point of generosity. (laughs) They're asking Jesus questions to keep their faith at arm's length. Oh, I think that everything looks really healthy and really strong in their mind, and yet they're not producing fruit. I think Jesus is inviting them to consider, how does your faith take on flesh? How's it fruitful in the world? The reason I uh, say that is because at the end of the day on Tuesday, someone says to Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Which I interpret as everything you do is fulfilling the greatest commandment. And you may be saying, yeah, Matthew, but what does that look like in the world? I mean, when you say produce fruit, what does that mean? Sarah Ruffner works one out of every five weekends. She's a physician assistant over at Medical City in their cardiothoracic surgery group. Don't ask me to spell any of those words, by the way. And one Sunday, she comes home, and I said, sweetie, how was, uh, how was work today? And she said, uh, we had the most interesting case this weekend. And I said, oh, really? Tell me about it. She said, um, we have a, a, a woman who is pregnant. She's 24 weeks pregnant, and they have discovered that her child has a heart defect. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, it was a really fascinating case. Uh, We had a surgeon uh, fly down, and the woman came in, and I said, for what? And she said, listen, she said, they opened the woman we put her under, they opened the woman, they went in, and the surgeon fixed the heart defect on that baby and put the baby back in the mother's womb. They sewed the mother up. And that woman's going to give birth naturally in 16 weeks. Isn't that a really interesting case? I was like, oh my God. Did you hear what you just said, Sarah? She said, yeah, we flew a surgeon down. They opened the, and I said, no. (laughs) Do you hear what you just said? That is the most holy thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You're telling me there is a surgeon who fixed A child, and that child will be born naturally into this world. Do you not see the holiness of that whole moment? I was weeping. Sometimes we can run the risk in the temple of asking the question that ruins the whole thing. We all know what the question is, don't we? Yes, we do, Quincy. Quincy knows we can ask the question that will ruin the whole thing. And here's the question. Well, was the surgeon a believer? Oh, someone said it. I'm with you. Oh, that's not the question. Don't ruin it. Don't you for a second ask the wrong question. Sit in the midst of that holiness and recognize it for the fruit that it is in the world. Let it wash over you. That feeling when I told you that that woman was going to give birth naturally 14 weeks later, that feeling deep in your gut, that lump in the back of your throat, pay attention to it. That is every cell, every fiber of your being being awakened to the holiness that is right in front of you. That is someone who is bearing fruit in the world no matter what they believe. And then Jesus says, uh, this, the second part of the greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friday afternoon, uh, I had to get... Olivia's soccer stuff to her. We forgot to pack it in her backpack that morning. So I went home and dropped her soccer stuff off and I needed to finish the sermon. And I was in this part of town uh, where I never really go to a coffee shop and I popped into this coffee shop that I'd never been to before. And I was sitting there working on this sermon, trying to finish it up. And I noticed that there was the manager there. He had the big, thick beard. He looked like a guy who was a manager of a coffee shop. You know, he had the apron on, the whole thing. And I'm I'm working on the sermon and uh, he gets off his shift. He takes off the apron, he says bye to all his pals, and then he does the most incredible thing. He walks from uh, where the cash register is around the counter to stand in front of the counter that he has been standing behind all day, and he orders food. And and I'm sitting there thinking, after you've been here eight hours, do you really want to eat this stuff? (laughs) Not the point, but this is what he does. He orders a sandwich and a cup of coffee, and I thought, oh, they're going to comp him. Now he digs in, pulls out his wallet, and then a homeless guy walks in. Homeless guy doesn't know that he's the manager of this coffee shop. He just walked in. Looks like he's been on the street for a couple of weeks. And he walks up to this guy, and he goes, hey, man, uh, I, I've been living on the streets. Uh, will, you, will you buy me a sandwich? And I think, oh, he's going to say to his friends, hey, uh, we got all this food in the back that's going to expire. Let's just bring that food out to this guy, and we'll comp it. We'll just give him all the food. I guess that's what I would have done. That's not what this guy does. He looks at the homeless guy, and he goes, yeah, I'll buy you a sandwich, man. And he reaches in the same cooler that he has just gotten his own sandwich out of, picks out the exact same sandwich, and he says, does this look good? And the homeless guy goes, that looks great. He puts it on the counter, and this guy goes back into his back pocket, pulls out the exact same wallet that he has just paid the coffee shop that has paid him for working. He grabs another $10 bill and he hands it to the cash register. Oh, wait for it. These two men take their sandwiches and they go sit at the same table And they eat them together forever. God, I love you guys. They eat them together forever. Oh, we can ruin it. We can ruin it. We can ask all the questions of the temple. Does he believe every word of the apostles' creed to be true? Oh, don't ruin it. Oh, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Be overwhelmed by the holiness. That feeling deep within you, that feeling within me is the fruit. It's the fruit in the world. So the question of Tuesday is um, does I know I know it looks strong I know it looks healthy but does it bear any fruit? That's not just the question of the temple. It's the question of our lives. My dear friends it's the question of our lives. Does your life reflect that of a life that seeks to bear fruit in the world? Does your life reflect a life by the grace of God that bears fruit in the world far beyond anything you could even imagine Uh, with all of your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength and, and a faith that seeks to love your neighbor as yourself? That's the invitation to Tuesday. And let me just say, I think that's the invitation to the entire gospel. For all of the prophets and all of the scriptures are summed up that way. May we be a people that seek to bear fruit in the the world. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the gift of your spirit that bears fruit through us in ways that we are aware and ways that we aren't? Will you give us the good sense, O God, that when we are encountered by you that we will pause to recognize the holiness of the moment so that it would shape the rest of our life? We pray in your holy name, Amen.
5: Please rise and join Enjoy me in the, in the affirmation of faith. Of faith. We are. We, 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 we,
6: we.
2: Nice.
0: You may be seated. As we prepare to pray as one voice for our church and for our community and for our world, I would invite you to note those joys and concerns that are listed on the back page of your worship bulletin, that you might hold those members and friends in your prayers in the days and weeks ahead. It is a full season at Preston Hollow and there is much to be thankful for and to give God great thanks for. You heard Matthew mention at the beginning of his sermon that his family attended the youth musical, Frozen Junior. I hope you have had a chance to do so as well. And if not, there was one production this afternoon at two o'clock. We are so proud of our youth uh, for putting on that musical and all the the joy that they have brought to that endeavor. And so um, celebrate with them and celebrate their ministry in our midst and invite you to partake of that opportunity. There are also so many things happening during lent classes and small groups a significant portion of our congregation is involved in exploring the gospel of mark together and so we celebrate that we also know that as matthew mentioned that this is a time of heaviness in which many of us indeed carry um, a great weight of the world around with us and so we want to let you know of an opportunity tomorrow night We are offering a service of wholeness and healing in the chapel. And so if you feel um, that gathering together for community and prayer and music um, and silence would be uplifting to your spirit. We invite you to that opportunity, whether it is the burden that you carry or whether you are carrying the prayers or the burdens for a family member or a friend or someone that you love or are close to who is traveling a time of need and could use um, God's tender mercies in this particular time. And so um, please make note of that opportunity and the chance to join us for worship in that way. Friends, let us go before a loving and gracious God in prayer this morning. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks that we are your people, the work of your hands and the sheep of your pasture. In your steadfast, enduring love, you claim us and call us your own. We give you thanks this day for that call, for the joy of being part of your work in this world, for the risk of living differently, for the burden of walking in your way and for our common identity found in you. We offer our gratitude and praise this morning for all those who have answered the call to service in your name. We rejoice in the gift of Sunday school teachers and committee members, mission partners, music makers, set designers, elders, deacons, those who move tables, and those who make coffee. We especially offer our thanks and praise this day for our youth ministry and their musical performance this weekend. We are grateful for the relationships that are forged in that time of preparation and performance, for the music they offer that brings you glory and gives us joy. We also lift up our epiphany ministry and all that they do in study and fellowship and service that stretches us to be with and for one another as you are with and for us and the ways in which in word and deed they demonstrate your love to the world. God, during this chaotic time, we lift up to you any in our community and in the community beyond us who are in particular need of your loving and caring presence. Be with any who are in need of work and cannot find it. Sustain all those who struggle daily for daily needs. And come alongside all who are sick, any who are in the hospital, and those who await relief from surgery or test results. Loving God, we also pray this morning for the ongoing uncertainty of disease in this country and around the world. We pray for your wisdom for doctors and nurses and researchers. We ask for a sense of your peace in places where there is panic and your healing touch to pee upon all who need it. Lord, we pray for our neighbors in Nashville this day as they pick up the pieces of their homes and of their lives following the tornado. Find them together as a community that they might feel your love and support through helping hands, through our prayers and our support, and give them a sense of togetherness and hope as lives are rebuilt. God, in all the many pieces of our lives, we give you thanks. We especially praise you for the ongoing work of your spirit, which bears fruit in our lives. Your spirit of grace and truth who moves and pushes and astonishes us with the limitless possibilities of your love. So during this Lenten season, continue to stir in us in those places where our vision is clouded, where there are leaves but there is no fruit, in places where our imaginations are stale. Blow through our lives and through your church with gusts of fresh possibility, and use us. In all things, use us and our gifts for your newness that pushes beyond all we could say or imagine. We ask all this in the name of your astonishing, ever-moving, ever-bearing spirit. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen
3: friends as we uh, turn our attention to our offering this morning and the opportunity to reflect on how it is that our faith is manifesting itself, how what we do is representative of who we say that we are, the very fruit of our lives. It is an opportunity to respond tangibly. And as we do each week, we're offering you the opportunity to participate in our Every Dollar Counts offering this morning. Uh, This month, the month of March, that offering is earmarked to the organization called African Road. This is a group of people that uh, work for the betterment of communities in East Africa. And so you are invited to consider that as we receive our morning offering. Please pray with me god of every blessing thank you for the gifts before us that we return to you for the work of your kingdom give us courage and wisdom gracious god to put this money to work fulfilling the will of your word and transforming us into the followers you call us to be through christ our lord we pray amen
0: you may be seated at this time i'd like to invite forward brian span who's the director of our epiphany ministry to join me on the floor of the sanctuary This year is a part of their service activities. Epiphany Ministry engaged in making stoplight bags for our friends and neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. And so I've invited Brian this morning to tell us a little bit about that project. Brian, would you share what is a stoplight bag?
5: So a stoplight bag is a really an opportunity for you to share uh, your faith in Christ with others in our community that are experiencing homelessness. So inside the bag are uh, essential items that um, individuals experiencing homelessness use on a daily basis. So it just provides an opportunity for you as a church to um, share your faith, share the love that Christ has given us to those that are experiencing Um, homelessness.
0: Awesome, so I think toothbrush, some snacks, Uh some hand sanitizing wipes, um, some socks, warm socks, a note Mm -hmm. of love and care. Now, Brian, tell me, why did you all choose stoplight bags as your project?
5: Well, one of the greatest gifts of our Epiphany participants is a heart for those in need. Um, Every week we pray for the individuals that are um, sick in our church. We pray for our church, but we also pray for those um, that don't have the things that we have. Um, that isn't always a prayer that we pray for. Is the homeless around our church?
0: Well, and I think you guys saw a particular need um, for yes. these as our um, donations closet became um, slim on resources mm-hmm. and supplies. Well, Say a word about that.
5: Yes. Yeah, so we, our food pantry, ran out of stoplight bags, and our participants wanted to. Um, fill that back up and provide those opportunities awesome. for, for faith to be shared.
0: So how are these going to get to our neighbors?
5: Well, that is where the church um, is involved. Um, we are inviting you and asking you to please take a bag, put it in your car, and when you see someone at a stoplight who is homeless, um, unroll the window um, and be brave about that and share the bag, but then also share a word of encouragement, um, offer to pray for the individual. Um, There is a homeless woman that lives nearby uh, who is pregnant. And so um, she would greatly appreciate the opportunity to uh, receive a bag, um, but also for you to share um, with her as well. Awesome
0: wonderful opportunities to call someone by name, to look someone in the eye. Um, and to meet someone's very real and physical needs yes. in a tangible way. Brian, we're so grateful um, to your leadership in that effort for making these mm-hmm. bags and um, look forward to filling up our food pantry in that way, but also looking forward for you all um, to share God's love with um, with neighbors in need. So I invite you following worship today yes. um, to greet our Epiphany participants and also to pick up a bag. We are, as part of our worship today, going to um, bless the bags before they go out into our friends and neighbors. And so I'd ask Matthew and Mark to come down um, and to join us here on the sanctuary floor
5: and if I could say a word um, yes sir Preston Hollow y'all have been an amazing um, congregation to lift and support our ministry uh, we would not be here without the support of our church and so awesome. we just want to lift that praise up to God for each one of you so,
0: awesome yes. thank you we are going to invite you all to extend a hand of blessing as we pray that our hands Um, would be laid on top of these bags and that they would um, be blessed by God's grace and God's presence. So let us extend our hands to the bags that are here on the communion table and let us pray together. God of love, you are the giver of all that is good and gracious. As we hold out our hands, remind us to be open to your presence in our lives. We are each invited to receive the gifts you've offered us, gifts of joy, gifts of community, and gifts of hope. With these hands, you have enabled us to do great things for your glory to be kind to one another, and to give of ourselves even when we feel like we do not have much to give. And as we hold open our hands on these stoplight bags, may you bind us together in your love and grace. May the people that receive these gifts be blessed with confidence that they are loved and claimed by you. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. As a closing family of faith, please join me in singing the special congregational blessing that has been written for our epiphany ministry. Friends, let us stand and sing our closing hymn.
4: So my dear, dear friends, as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth, and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them, and may God take our lips and speak through them, and may God take our hearts, each and every one of them and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, and guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen.